683. Let him have his way with thee. It's an interesting uh, connection as our invitation song is going to be Let him have his way with thee. Uh, the scriptures today as we look and are considering the spirit of God and we're finishing up with the books of history and we'll get to poetry, the books of poetry next week. Um, it really is the essence of Hopefully, it's always, God can actually override the choice of some people on some occasions, it seems. Um, and they do what he wants them to do regardless. But for the most part, it's, it's up to us. It's a choice. Will we let God have his way with us? Will we live according to his spirit and do great things for him? So uh, today, we're going to begin in 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is a a verse that was mentioned in the sermon last Sunday, and now we're going to continue to look at it because there is an interesting situation that takes place that we didn't talk about much, but as we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord, we realize that we've already learned that man has his own spirit, and that was a few weeks ago that we talked about that God gives us a spirit and it's our own spirit. Now we see, um, and not only do we, and we also know that God has His Spirit. But in First Samuel sixteen, verse fourteen, we're going to learn of other spirits. First Samuel sixteen, verse fourteen says, "Now the Spirit of the Lord," and I, I got to read just to put it in context because it's important for us, even as we continue. I think. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, verse thirteen, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. That's David. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. So here we learn of... Another spirit that comes, not only after when the spirit of the Lord leaves, departs from Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord terrorizes him. So, an evil spirit, a bad spirit. I will note that it's interesting to me, as I think I didn't put this in the notes, but as we think back all the way back to the law, there was a part where we, you remember when we talked about, but if, the, if a man, if the spirit of jealousy comes upon a man, he's there to test that. Here is another case where it is, it seems to me, this idea of a spirit of jealousy, not in relationship to a man and his wife, but it's going to be uh, Saul here who has had the spirit of the Lord depart from him. Now he has an evil spirit comes to him and we're going to see it play out. It's a lot of jealousy of David. Really uh, an interesting, I don't know if there's any significance to that, but I noticed that. So, this evil spirit, this bad spirit, evil, the word that's used there in the Hebrew, can, evil is bad, you translate it really either way. An evil spirit from the Lord terrorized Saul. It's not, this is not the spirit of the Lord, but it is sent by him. Now I kind of add that word sent, and I think this is going to be fair. We're going to look at this in the next little bit of the outline here. So it was it specifies this evil spirit is from the Lord. It's probably you'd probably think it's fair to say it's sent from the Lord, and I think it, as we look at some of these next verses, you'll see that that's probably a good understanding 
of what it is. This is not to indicate that the spirit of the Lord is bad in any way or evil. But he is in control. As we say in the next statement, the Lord is in control of evil spirits and gives them permission to do certain things. We see that in a lot of places, and I think that's what the case is here. It seems to fit as we think about God's spirit kind of controlling the other spirits. So this is relevant to, even though we're talking about bad spirits, it's relevant to God's spirit, the spirit of Yahweh. So look at Judges. This is a place where we have already, um, we've already passed this spot, but we can see in Judges chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. Um, and this is um, Abimelech was actually the son of, as you, as you look back, um, he's the son of Jerubbabel. Jerubbabel is the, this is, it's interesting how all this stuff works together. Since I've turned back here, if you go back to chapter 8, um, actually all the way back to chapter 7, you see Gideon. Gideon is being, he's the one who's being spoken of here. Gideon is one who the Spirit of the Lord came upon, and we looked at him and, con- and considered him. That, um, that, uh, that language was in, oh, I didn't underline it, when he called, when Gideon called all the people. Chapter 6, verse 34. So this is in, since we're in Judges, look at chapter 6, verse 34. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and uh, this was kind of him taking the lead, finally doing what God wanted him to do. A strong, courageous leader calls the people to him, is going to go out and defeat the Midianites. So that's Gideon. Gideon's other name was Jerubbabel. So look at, um, uh, in verse 28 of chapter 8, Judges chapter 8, verse 28, we learn there that, that uh, Gideon, he was the judge for 40 years. And all was pretty well. But if you look right up above there, he ended up building, look at verse 27. Gideon made it into an ephod and placed it in his city, Ophrah, and all the Israelites played the harlot with it there. And so it became a snare to Gideon and his household. Another one of these times where this was a godly man. He, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He led the people for 40 years. Great judge, right? Did God's work? Well, had this horrible ending. He dies and he has placed a snare for him and for his household. Does that mean he lost his eternal salvation? I don't know. But it's really strange. He had the Spirit of the Lord, but he makes this terrible mistake has terrible consequences. His son, uh, in, notice he is, uh, verse 29, then Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own town. Um, that, is, that is Gideon. Jerubbabel is Gideon. He has a son named Abimelech. Abimelech does these terrible things. He's been ensnared by this trap that um, uh, was placed there by his father. But now, just jump to chapter 9, verse 22. So Abimelech, he's the son of Gideon, who seems to have wandered away from faithfulness. Now Abimelech ruled over Israel three years. Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. 
And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, so that the violence done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel, 70 sons of Gideon, uh, might come and their blood might be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem. So Gideon, he has these terrible things happen to his family. Abimelech sets himself up as king by just killing all the other ones. God is going to make sure justice comes, and he does it by sending God sent an evil spirit. God sent a bad spirit between Abimelech and the son of Shechem. So, how does God do this sending of an evil spirit or sending a, a bad spirit? Let's look at another example, 1 Kings. In 1 Kings, oh, I didn't mark this one. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 19 through 23. Um, and this is the prophet speaking. Micah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one and one said this while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said, how? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. And the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. So here is God in the midst of the in the heavenly realms, there present there was present an evil spirit, a bad spirit, an enticing spirit that says, "I will go and do what you want done." And God sends him, and it was a deceiving spirit among the prophets. Here's another one, and if that the language that I used didn't call this to your mind, then uh, we'll turn there and make you remind you of this. In uh, the book of Job. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, we have a heavenly scene being revealed to us where it is called the sons of God. And these are spirits that are in the presence of the Lord. Satan was one of them. Job chapter 1, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, the Lord, and said, from roaming about on all the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. <clears throat> but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. 
So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And so Satan goes and causes great disaster in the life. And then God eventually, he gives him, a, and you keep reading on, he, God even says, all right, you can put forth your hand and even touch, it, touch him. Take his health. Try that one. And so Satan is the evil spirit who is given permission and in a sense is sent by God to test Job, to do the work of God, to test this man. So the Lord God is in control of all spirits, gives them permission to do certain things, certain even certain evil or bad things. Now let's continue on. So we're just learning about this, and we're considering in particular, let's get back to this thought of David and Saul. Saul had been the first king. Um, he takes some missteps, and the spirit then departs from him, but the spirit comes to David and is not going to depart. It is going to never leave him. The verse that we read said he had that spirit. The spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. It's going to stay with him. It's not going to leave him like it did Saul. So let's go back to 1 Samuel, and we're going to go to chapter 16. <clears throat> now we're going to skip down to verse 23. In connection with the, that evil spirit that comes upon Saul, it really causes him fits. Um, so they call in somebody to play the harp, to calm him down, get his uh, senses back to him, to be refreshed and to be made well. And you know who they call? David. David. So look at uh, verse 23. That's what we learn here. So it came about, this is the last verse of chapter 16. So it came about whenever the evil spirit, or when the spirit from God is technically what it would be there, when the, when the spirit from God came to Saul... David would take up the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. So the one with the spirit of the Lord comes into the presence of the one with the evil spirit and plays and calms him down. Boy, how many times does that happen? I tried to be that at camp this past week. I tried to be that presence of the, the calming spirit between a couple of kids sometimes. Um, there were two kids in my cabin with a are 7 through 12 year olds they're best friends but boy they fight like brothers uh, I'd try and step in you guys calm down sometimes they wouldn't listen but, uh, but we try we try um, so uh, that's the situation um, David and Saul and David's the one who's there to calm him down um the evil spirit would come, well, I, I think, uh, and, and it's interesting too, I do want to make this one point at the end of verse uh, of that verse in verse, chapter 16, verse 23, it says the evil spirit would depart from him. So there's this idea that the, that the spirit would come and go, this evil spirit that Paul, excuse me, that Saul had, it would kind of come and go. And so there's this idea that there's some, something happening there. And I, I, in my, under, this is the way I think about it, is that as, as David is trying to calm him down, Saul kind of comes, is coming to his senses and trying to make the good choice and not let the evil spirit win. There's, there's a little bit of, uh, of consciousness there that the, the evil spirit hasn't just taken control. The man, Saul, is able to 
say, all right, I'm going to calm down, and that spirit would depart from him. Um, as we move on, I make a statement at the end here. It says, but if Saul becomes jealous of David, then the evil spirit would not go away, um, but David's plane would incite great evil or greater evil. Let's go to chapter 18. This is after David now is shown to uh, defeat Goliath and he's having this wonderful success. We know how that invokes the jealousy of Saul. Um, And again, keep in mind, we're talking about the Spirit of God um, that is with David versus the Spirit, the evil Spirit that is with Saul. Let's read in chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. Um, And this uh, is after David has had another success militarily. It says, Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. So there's the man who has the Spirit of the Lord with him, came mightily on David. King Saul is looking at David with suspicion. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. And he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. And a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him, but he departed from Saul. So here's the great battle between good and evil. The great battle that's taking place here is between the spirit of the Lord versus a spirit of evil that this man Saul is entertaining. He's playing the host to this because he is not willing, he no longer has the spirit of the Lord. Saul has driven out the Spirit of the Lord from him, allowed an evil spirit to come into him, a spirit of jealousy, of suspicion, uh, a spirit of fear. Notice that in verse 12, Saul was afraid of David. A spirit of fear that's not a fear of the Lord, but a fear that is an ungodly fear. So all this is going on. And it's because Saul, who once had the Spirit of the Lord on him, he grieved that Spirit. The Spirit took off. The Spirit comes along, goes on David, mightily upon David, gives David success, and there is this jealousy that takes place. And they're just right there together going at each other. Who do you think is going to win? The Spirit of the Lord? Or the evil spirit. Let's continue. We go to 1 Samuel chapter 19. And we are going to look at verse number 8. Verses 8 through 10. When there was war again, David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with a great slaughter so that they fled before him. Why did David have success? It doesn't say it right here, but we know 
that the Lord was with him mightily. So he has great success. Verse number 9. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul. Oh yeah, we've already been told this. Why are you stressing this scripture? We need to pay attention. There was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul, and he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing the harp with his hand. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Then, um, stop there for now. So there's the, here's this great battle taking place, and it all starts because David's success, and then the evil spirit comes to Paul. David has some success. Saul's looking and has this fear of him, the suspicion, the jealousy, and he tries to kill him again. He's just giving himself over to this evil spirit. Every time he gets a little bit jealous, it's just inviting the evil spirit to come upon him. Um, and notice, I think it was the previous incident, it said it came upon him, the evil spirit came upon him mightily. Let's go ahead and um, in verse 11, it kind of sets the scene for the next scripture. So it's still in 19. It says, then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. So he's got this plan in motion. Let's kill him. Well, David escapes. This is when uh, uh, Michael says, you've got to get out of here. And uh, they make a disguise, and, uh, and David flees successfully. So Saul's fuming. He's upset that his own daughter helped, helped uh, the man escape. Now let's go on down to 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18. It says, Now David fled... And escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah. We're going to see the we get this fat. We're going to see, this was the passage that was read in our scripture. We're going to see the spirit mentioned in here all the time. The spirit at work. It says that David, uh, well, he came to, to Ramah and told him, told Samuel all that Saul had done to him, and he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth, Nile. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Nioth and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. So here are these messengers, who knows how many of them. They're coming, they want to get David Take him back. These are the messengers. We need David. They're going to get him, and they're going to take him back to to Saul so he can be put to death. And uh, instead of taking taking him, taking him into custody, they end up prophesying with the prophets, a group of prophets who are already prophesying. They're already under the influence of the Holy Spirit, prophesying, proclaiming the Word of God, and these messengers of Saul who are bent on evil end up proclaiming the word of God. Verse 21, when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messengers again the third time and they also prophesied. 
Then he himself went to Ramah. They can't get it done. I'm going to go. The man with the evil spirit, he is ready to get things done. He came as far as the large wall that is in Secu, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And he proceeded there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also, so that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Naoth and Ramah. Now, I didn't look this up, but now my mind wonders, how far is that? I wonder how far he was going. Going along the road, prophesying, going to meet up with the other prophets as they're prophesying. His messengers, all of his messengers that he sent on the evil mission, they're all prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord is at work even upon the evil characters. Verse 24, he also stripped off his clothes and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all the day and all that night. Therefore, they say... Is Saul also among the prophets? Now this idea of him uh, <clears throat> stripping off his clothes. Well, let, let me just read. I'd, I'd be smarter just to read what I got here. So here it is. But the Lord being in control of evil spirits. So in this situation, we see the Lord. He's in control of evil spirits. We've already stated that above. With uh, allowing them to be sent. Allowing them to do their thing. But he's God's the one in charge. He can overcome evil spirits with his spirit. The removing of his kingly garments with Saul, the, the, the evil character here, the one who is bent on destruction of a godly man, his removal of his kingly garments, I don't think he was stripped all the way down naked. I don't, I don't think that's the indication here. It's very possible. But he was naked in regards to his kingly garments were, were taken off all of his outer garments. He was, he was exposed as a common man. He was humbled before the people and before God. This shows that mankind and evil spirits, men, women, evil spirits, any created thing will always be powerless over the mighty spirit of God. Prophecy comes from the spirit of the Lord. Here's a second note I want to make about this as they were prophesying. It comes from the Spirit of the Lord. And on occasion, God even speaks through lesser men. I was trying to figure out how I was going to say that. They're not necessarily evil men, but they were certainly lesser men. Not so much of noble character. And I mentioned some people here. Saul being this first one, he was, he was certainly evil. He was bent on murder. He was evil. He was not a man of God. And God prophesied through even him. We already considered the man named Balaam a couple of weeks ago. Balaam seemed like he started out as being a man of God, but then he sure, certainly ends up uh, being a terrible character who's talked about in the New Testament as one who was a deceiver. The prophecy or the teaching of Balaam, it led people away from God. But God at one point used him to speak truth and to speak a blessing upon the people. So God's Spirit comes upon these evil men or these lesser men. I even quote here, make it, or I didn't quote, I, I mention uh, uh, this thought of the chief priest. Remember before Jesus was murdered, he said, 
He said, you know, you, don't you guys know that it's that somebody has to will have to will have to die to save the nation. He thought he was saying we're going to kill Jesus to save our nation so that Jesus will go away, but he was actually prophesying. He thought he was saying words of evil and destruction, but he was actually prophesying truth because Jesus was the one who would die to save all men. But usually, so God can his spirit is so powerful and uh, so it, it could even come upon evil men and use them to speak his words. But usually the spirit of the Lord uses men of God to speak, uh, to speak through them. David, one of his statements in 2 Samuel 23, verse 2, it says, The spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. Usually the. Anyone who's prophesying, you can trust them. They're speaking the word of God. Every once in a while, I got just a couple examples. They're rare, but God can even prophesy through evil men. But it's usually the godly men. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. Here, um, uh, this is several Levites proclaiming this uh, song or this this poem. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. It says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna did not withhold from their mouth. And you gave them water for their thirst. God's spirit instructs. And uh, and then down in verse 30 of the same chapter, it says, however, you bore with them many years, talking about the unfaithful Israelites, and you admonished them through by your spirit, through your prophets. So this is the definition of prophecy, what we've seen here with Paul. Even through an evil man, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he prophesies and speaks the things of God. That Holy Spirit is powerful. And that Holy Spirit came upon godly men to deliver his word and to lead them and guide them in truth. So, as we consider this, and we consider just generic, in general, we think about Saul versus David. Somebody who, when the Holy Saul was a man, the Holy Spirit came upon him, but then he grieved that spirit and the spirit left. Contrasted with David, Holy Spirit came upon him. David acted faithfully to the best of his ability. He was not perfect. But the Spirit was with him from that day onward. Which one do you want to be like? Do you want to be like the prophets who speak the Word of God because you're willing to listen? Or are you going to be an unfaithful one that, that, that maybe every once in a while you might uh, say something godly or right, but for the most part, you know, the life is less than desirous of pleasing God. It doesn't work. I encourage you today, as you consider the Holy Spirit and God working through people, be like those godly men. Live righteously. Let us be faithful and true and live so that the Spirit of the Lord can do great things through us. He needs us to do great things for Him. He needs to to have us faithful so we can speak truth in His wonderful name. Be faithful to Him. Be true. His Spirit is active and working all through Scripture. We've seen it through the history of the nation of Israel. And He wants to be active in us. 
So give your life to Him. If you've never been immersed into Christ, the invitation for you today is to come and give your life to Him. If you want to do that, the opportunity is for you to do so now. If you believe in Jesus, give your life to Him. And if you need to respond, won't you please join us as we stand together and sing.